All right, so we are finishing up our series tonight on oh, on America. Yeah. Education. And how have we been exploring freedom? Through people that, that we don't learn about in school. People that are That has been a side discovery that we have had. It's yes. mostly people that have the Declaration of Independence most of the time. Recently they have been, but <laughs> less than half of them have had anything to do with it. Take, Take what? Like, like educating other people. Okay. Okay. Um, what other places? Colleges. Colleges? Colleges and uh, kingdoms and towns. Okay. So society would probably be a good. And specifically, though, we've looked a lot at government, right? Because everybody lives in some sort of government and deal with that. So. Where did we start? Because we started a long time ago. We started with Stephen Langston. Yes, Stephen Langston. Good old Steve. Well, all have is someone ever just walk up the And you said Magna Carta. Yeah. What's the Magna Carta? Why is it important? It's one of the the earliest documents that gave rights to landowners, would you say, Felicia? To the individual. And to the individual. Good. So, um, and what, why do we care about Stephen Langton? Because we could look at just the Magna Carta on its own. He was the, the bishop, right? Okay, yep, he's and a he, bishop. But he was actually like, he wasn't just there for power. Right? Because like, like he actually cared about the, like the God part. Okay, yes. Okay. He was actually, knew his stuff. He wasn't there for power or money yeah. or anything like that. A uh, bishop, what is a bishop? We've, we haven't talked about that in our review in a while. We've just thrown the Aren't bishop just, out there. Like, Yes, they're our leader in the church. Usually, uh, for him, he was the archbishop, bishop, which is like the top bishop of Canterbury, which is like the top dog in England or English church. Okay, so who did we do next after that? Uh, Witherspoon or, no. or Winthrop? Winthrop, yes. I, I confuse those. I know. Witherspoon or Winthrop? And. What is he known for? What did he do? He's the first of the people that we've looked at to be here. Oh, he's a murderer. No, no. Murderer? Yes, he is a Puritan. Carry the team. Where was I last week? 
No, you did good. I still kind of Two weeks ago. Anyways, so what does a city on a hill mean? Where is it from? Yes. Anybody remember what book? Uh, Matthew. Yes. And why does it matter? What does that have to do with Boston? To be an example for the rest, like a, yeah, an example for the rest of the cut in that example, and for people to look at it and model. Yes. Model it should be. Very good. To model it. To model a good Christian city. Okay. The next guy that we looked at, who was friends with John with Winthrop. No, you're close though. Roger Williams. Yes, Roger Williams. What about him? Oh, Roger, I don't remember. Was he the guy you compared to Robin Hood or something? No. Yes. Not mayor. Yes. Um, because he was a. Because he is a certain sect. Yes, a separatist. He didn't believe in everything about the Anglican Church. He wanted to separate from them, so he chose not to. Eat. Um, or just have yes. to be a new one. Yes. And <clears throat> what does he do that? He starts something that is a model for how we set up a lot of governmental things now. Or while they did in the future with the other colonies. Set off, I believe, like different type, like the you have your choice of your religion, at him? Yes, he was about religious freedom. How did they decide laws? in this place that he founded. A little place that you've never been to. It's not the Bible. No, it's here. Is it here, like, in America? Yes. Is it Rhode Island? Yes, Rhode Island. And he, how did they set up the government? What was unique about it? Remember, this is before the Declaration of Independence, before all that stuff. They did. And what do we call that when everybody has a vote? A democracy. A democracy. It was a pure democracy. That means that they could change the rules, and even though he owned all the land in Rhode Island, they could have voted to kick him out. Wow. He gave up that power. So, and then you brought up with the religious freedom. He was the first person to put into action the concept of it's a separation con 
concept. Yes. <clears throat> I remember we kind of struggled that, and lots of people said government, country, and place. Okay. We have next the one you always think everybody else is. Yep. Pennsylvania. Okay. And he was a Quaker. Yes. Was a hat pacifist and he paid the Native Americans for their land. Correct? He did, yep. And he started college? Uh, no. no he, he taught them though, right? The school? Nope. You're no. confusing him with someone else. <laughs> but. An important thing. Right. Is this the what else is important? Guy? An important thing for half like the people did. in this room. Did you say is this the tree guy? Yeah, I did. I mean, everybody benefits from it, but it's very important to half of you in this room. Half of women's rights. Yes, women were on equal standing. They could own property, they could go to school, they could they had all that not they not they weren't totally like outside the Bible, like in the home they they still followed the biblical model, but as far as a lot of legal definitions, women were on the same standing. Okay. Next guy who you were talking about. Yes. Yes. Taught college for the only only the Indians, right? Yep. Or that's he started out with that. Then he started doing all three of them at the same time. Yes. Yes. Yes, because people didn't want that, right? Yeah, they, they wouldn't, no, they wouldn't it. And what was Dartmouth's motto that was a motto for him? Yes, in the wilderness. And what else, what movement was he a part of? An important movement. No. It was something you said we probably would have never heard of back then. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. It was. It, it was. Did it start with a C? Nope. Ah. It's a great something. Great uh, commission. Um, he did. That was the basis for this. But that's not how it was. Um, that's but not the name of it. Nope. Or yes, it does. Sorry. The great. Oh, uh, what is it? The great uh, aberration or something like that? Nope. What do you do? What's another thing for getting up in the morning? Awakening. Yes, the great oh, awakening, yeah. right? And what did they do in the great awakening? They woke up. <laughs> <laughs> but what does that mean? Nice joke. I don't know. They. Awakening, like you realize 
Yes. What? Okay, a lot of people were converted because he and some other preachers went around preaching. And recently, Sunday, who was the other one of the other preachers that Pastor Eric mentioned? Oh. I'm pretty sure it was in his sermon, not in Sunday school. I don't know. Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the hang, Hands of an Angry God. Oh, sorry. Okay, so. Well, no, he was talking about anger in church, but I don't think he mentioned that. Was it really? Thank you. Oh, it's missing out of this one. Okay, so, and I remember I kept mentioning the other guy that was John Wesley, the preacher. John Wesley, the Wesley brothers. And you guys were like, I don't know who they are. No, I mentioned it in the. And then I said, well, you sing their songs all the time. And you're like, I don't know any of their songs. Well, how about Hark the Herald Angels Sing? One of the most famous Christmas songs ever. That's Charles Wesley. He's got like 30 of them just in this hymnal. Okay, you only mentioned those two guys once. 84. Let's see what that one is. Christ the Lord is risen today. You guys all know that one. Uh, 94. I'm pretty sure. Um, yep. And can it be? You guys. No. No, what is it? And can it be that thou, my God? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one? That that one is like a sermon in each verse. It's very good. 95. I know my Redeemer lives. So this is Charles Wesley. Probably a lot of the songs that you know really well are there in there. Okay, so that was an important movement, and I bring that up because a lot of people who be our founding fathers were affected by that movement, and it had a, a real impact on the society that our government was born out of. Okay, next person. This is the other John. John Witherspoon? Or Witherspoon, correct. Yeah. Witherspoon. Think wither later on, older. Sure. It's withering away. Sure. Witherspoon. Yeah, whenever you say withering away, I then think of Fallout 4 as a pools. Think of what? Fallout 4, because they oh. have those withering, like, well-tinted skin peeling off the walls. Okay, well, if it helps for you to remember the name, that's great. So, what is he known for? Yes. Is he the New Jersey guy? Yes. Princeton. Yes, Princeton. Who did he teach? He He taught taught the founding fathers. Some of them. Name one. You should be able to. I think Benjamin Franklin. Not sure about that one. James Madison. Nope. I mean, I don't know. George Washington. No, I think George Washington went to Yale or Harvard. Maybe, but not the one I'm thinking of. But you should all know from last week. I already said that one. He said he went to Yale. Benjamin Rush. 
Yes, Benjamin Rush. There you go. You talked about him last week. Um, so he had a huge effect because what was, did he say was the best thing to learn about? Christianity. And? Oh, did he also teach that Patrick guy? Yes, he did teach Patrick Henry. Yeah. Patrick who? Patrick with the red hair. What else did, did he think was important to learn? The Bible. The Bible, okay. Um, Christian education, that's his big um, legacy. All right, and then we talked about Jefferson and John Adams. Oh, John Adams. Okay. Well, there is John Quincy Adams, that's his son. Isn't there, there's a Sam Adams, isn't there? That's his brother, that's John Adams' brother. Yep. There are many Adams, they're a big family. That's yes, that's what I just said. Yep. Isn't that going to be kind of a tiny problem? No, one's the son. He's a junior. Well, he would be. I think he has a different middle name. So, Quincy. Yep. Okay, so what about Jefferson and Adams? Well. Who was here for that? Mallory, you were here for that. I remember last time she had a bit of trouble with it. Wow. Did you hear that bus? Yes. Was, okay, we talked about one of them, and he was like very well versed in the Bible, and he like, the guy, which one of them had the bed, this is what I remember, because he <laughs> yeah. had the flaps on the side. That's Jefferson. Like, okay. He could roll out of bed into his office or into yeah. like a different a office. Very good, he was not, I've seen that bed. It's weird. It's Which narrow. Wasn't it's like, a good speaker, but he was really easy to talk to. Like, or was that? Like, yes. Who do you think? That was Thomas Jefferson, right? That's Adams. Yes. Jefferson is is the one who he's actually a terrible speaker. He just like read off of his paper and he would like uh, mumble his words and just trail off. But he was a very good writer. Oh, and yeah. what was what did he do? Yes, wrote the Declaration of Independence, but where did a lot of the ideas in the Declaration of Independence come from? The Bible. Yes, if we trace it back farther, but which guy had an influence? Benjamin Probably one of the two we're talking about. Adams. Adams had wrote a bunch of papers beforehand that were um, very much the groundwork for writing the Declaration. And what did Adam say um, he thought that, that he, well, what did he say that he based his Christian life on? Two things in the Bible. Two things in the Bible. The, right, the, love your neighbor the house on the hill. as you love yourself. That was one of them, wasn't it? Nope. It was, um, it, yes, but it was more encompassing than that. It was a certain section, a couple chapters in the Bible that it are called. Psalms. It was I Psalms. remember reading it. It was, was like. It Psalms nope. No. It, it was like. Um, famous thing. Famous thing that Jesus did. The longest like, uh, Matthew, stretch of all of his words together. It is in Matthew. Five and six. Chapter. Chapter seven. Yep. And then the second thing is something that has been around since Moses.
we're talking governmental things, laws. What'd you say? Rain. Rain? <laughs> That's a, since uh, Noah. <laughs> since Moses. Is it verse 44? No. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's all of that stuff in two. All of the yeah. Those, that, those are two of the most important chapters in the Bible where Jesus talks us, about a lot of stuff. I remember stuff. Uh, reading from Matthew chapter 5, 20 to 26. Yes. And he also said the Ten Commandments. So those are the two things that he based his Christian life on. Very good um, decision. Patrick Henry and... See, I think I spelled this wrong. And Muellinger... Yeah, Muellinger. Remember him? Yeah. Muellinger, the guy that could hear entire sermon and just relay it back. That's Patrick Henry. Yep. And what did he say the most important thing that he could give his children was? Christianity. Because if they had that, even if they were poor, they'd be the richest people in the world. Rather than giving them riches, they'd be the poorest people in the world, not have any religion. Right, exactly. Spot on. And. What did Patrick Henry, what's he famous for? He's famous. He's famous for his speech about the importance of Christianity. Good stuff that he said. Liberty, right? And what's he say in that speech? Yes, so he was a very passionate guy, a speaker, signer of the Declaration, but he said the most important thing that he could give his children, and that's how you know it's important, because that's what he wants to pass on, is Christianity. Muellinger. What's his deal? Who was he friends with? Where is he from? He's German. Yep. Who is he friends with? Is he the weird guy? And then... There's like the other guy with the weird name, the other German guy. Oh, yes, uh, Melchior. Melchior. Yes. Yeah, I remember those. Yep, they're odd. I remember Melchior's son, really. Yep, and who's he friends with? Important guy. Benjamin Rush. Nope. Benjamin George Washington. George Washington. Washington. Yes. And why, and what did he do? Like, what was his occupation? He was a preacher, and no, was he the surgeon? No, no, that's no, that's Benjamin Rush. Okay, well, I don't know. That's okay. No, that's someone else. He he reluctantly joined the revolution, but he joined because of. Um, George Washington's encouragement, but he was somebody that George Washington talked with a lot about God and, th and spiritual things. So he was a good support, supporting uh, friend in that sense. All right, George Washington. What can you tell me about what we learned about him? He was a good leader, even though he lost and lost and lost, but eventually won. He, was he did. 
Yep. He didn't even want to be a coward, right? Right. After they um, beat the war and all that, they tried to appoint him king, but the whole thing was the original king. Yes. And that's where the, the but, term... So, <clears throat> what, what's important about him? Because we looked a lot... We didn't look a lot at what he, at what his political or military accomplishments were. We looked at his who he was as a person, as his personal life, and what. Okay, so he was, and what did that make him good at? If he wasn't afraid to get dirty and get down there in the trenches with everyone, what did that make him good at? He was kind of like a leader. Yeah, a leader. What did you say? Okay, at a leader. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> and what did we say were some of his other characteristics that made him a good leader? Besides setting in a, a good example, we looked at some other um, characters in the Bible who were good leaders and drew comparisons. You mentioned like David and all that. Yep, that was the. Um, it was like how loyal his men were to him, kind of? Yes, being first, first to the fight, that kind of a thing. What about Moses? What was Moses' most important leadership quality? Meekness and humbleness, right? That is, and how did George Washington exemplify that? We already said it. Right, he did not want the, the positions, but he took them on because uh, he felt it was his duty. And then Joshua. What's an important thing that Joshua said that Washington embodies? Probably one of the most common verses that you see hung up at somebody's house. Nope. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay. And we talked about how George Washington out like leaps and bounds above everybody else we looked at was for sure a Christian. He mentioned Jesus or one of Jesus' other's names, like Prince of Peace or Counselor, uh, Lord of Lords, King, King, anything like that. He used them over 92 times in the letters that we have of him. So he, far more than anybody else. Uh, do you remember, did anyone remember his two mottos that were verses? It was not from what? Here? Here. Oh, what was it? Uh, it was a quote like, ask yourself not what you're kind of... Like, oh, that's... Um, 
That's JFK. I know, but everything is swimming through my head right now. Okay, that's okay. So, um, it was that the one was Micah 4-4, where he looked towards the new millennium and that he just wanted to sit underneath his fig tree and vines, that he just wanted to farm, that in that, if you read the other stuff, is about putting the weapons away, melting them down into plow, plows and uh, like farming implements. His other one was John, 1 John 3.18, and that one was, um, oh, I didn't write it down here. Here, let's turn to, to there. John, 1 John 3.18, right before Revelations. Oh, yes. Whoever gets there first, go ahead and read it. 318. Yep. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Okay. So he was very concerned with telling the truth, being honest, and he wasn't about saying words or making big speeches, but about actions, about letting your actions speak. All right. So, and then last week you learned about Benjamin Rush. Tell me about him. He was the Surgeon General. He was the first Surgeon General. And what was his motto? You've said it 30 times tonight. My name really yes. <laughs> so, and how did he act that out? How did he live it? Wasn't he the guy? He told somebody to go make their own church, right? He did. Like, That's an important like, part. The people that make your own church. Because oh, because, because they wouldn't. They didn't want yes, to because they were making them sit in the back and they weren't yes. treating them nice. So he told them to make their own church. Yes. He was an uh, abolitionist, right? Which means. He wants to abolish slavery. Right, end slavery. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people did not like that he said that. Yeah. Right. Because he had a brother. Yep. Okay. And he wrote a lot of books. Uh, later, right, they were at odds, but they started out as friends, but they had some differing opinions on things. He wrote right? a lot of books, right? And those were used like for a long time. Medical books. Yeah. Yep. He did that. So he did a lot of things to help other people, right? Put them first. Okay. So last, our last character to study, his name is John Jay. John Jay? Like J-A-Y, like the, a blue Jay. Like that's two, two names, John Jay or John Jay? Remember two names. Remember John Jay? I think the song John Jacob Jingle. Not quite. But so he is... Um, he is interesting, and you've probably never heard of him before. Anybody hear of him before? No. Okay. Um, he's not particularly dynamic or exciting. That makes me nervous. Um, it's not going to be boring. There's just, there's not any like grand stories to tell about him. He's not a particularly funny guy, at least in the history books or anything like that. He's no Patrick Henry, okay? But 
he does form an important backbone in our country's justice system and the laws, which is important. And you're probably thinking about, wait, we're learning about laws. Isn't this about freedom? This is like the opposite of freedom. And well, last time we looked at and we reviewed it, we talked about the golden rule, right? That you treat others um, in the same way that you would like to be treated. And my question to you is what if other people are not doing that? How dare they? Well, what do you do about it? Do you really do nothing? Well, is that depends. really your opinion, Abby? It depends. Abby, tell me your real opinion. What, yeah, what do you do? Listen. 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 What do you do with someone who commits evil? How, how do you protect the innocent? Those are valid questions, right? Lock up the evil person. This is where the rubber meets the road, where you start to say, well, it's super easy to say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You're loving the neighbor that's innocent. But, do you but what did Jesus say about your if enemies? If someone's even well, mean to you, you have to sell What did he say? Nicely. If I committed a crime, I would want someone to lock me up. So there. Okay, but what True. did you... Hold on, let's answer this. Hold on. Love thy enemy, right? Okay. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Oh yeah. I'm. I know. I'm. I am bringing up tough questions. I'm not necessarily telling you the answer right yet because these are questions that you might not know the answer right away. It may be something that you have to figure out. Because you can't predict every situation. Nobody can except for God himself. Yep. So John Jay is, um, this is at the center of his political ideas. Is how do we have a society that can function with God's principles? And he is born in 1745. So he's only 30 when um, the Revolutionary War starts. And he is born in New York and raised in the Church of England by his parents. But later he ends up becoming a Protestant. What? Protestant. That's pretty much anybody who, any church that is not part of the Catholic Church is a Protestant church. We were a Protestant church, technically. That sounds really weird. It just means that they protested against the Anglican Church. Yeah, I know, but the word Protestant just sounds really weird. Well, it's pretty common. It's, and when you're talking about different um, sects of Christianity. So he goes and he studies law at what at the time is called King's College in New York. Today you would know it by Columbia University. Columbia. Yep. And Columbia is very different from what it was then. Far different now. Um, 
And he eventually, his eventual goal that he wants to do is he wants to serve as a judge in the colonies, at, but as a royal judge for England. He applies to it, doesn't get the job, and uh, he actually never achieves this goal. Instead, he will become one of our first Supreme Court justices, and he is the first Chief Justice. So today we think of that as a far loftier goal, a far loftier achievement, but then um, this was just an upstart country. So before his arrival to this position, though, he will serve in Congress and be elected by his fellow representatives to be the president over all of Congress. Basically, um, the um, what today would be called the yeah the Speaker of the House or in the Senate. Oh. Oh, the guy? Yeah. McConnell? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of the name of his position. I can't remember what it is. But anyways, it basically means that you run the meeting, that you're in charge of what the topic is, what you take the votes, all that kind of stuff. Today's topic has to be church. Yes. Imagine if he just said that. I don't think he did, but he could have. So he... um. Obviously, he was well-respected by everyone else for them to vote for him to be head of Congress. And this is also during the time where they are ratifying the Constitution. Anybody know what that means, to ratify the what Constitution? No. Yes, technically, there's like more than one means like the word ratify. Make it the law, right? By ratifying something, like by ratifying the Constitution. Okay, yes. Yes, you're right, but what are you doing to it? You're if you already have, what did you say? Changing it? You're changing it. It usually means that you're changing it. You are putting it into law, but you're putting a new part of it into law okay. by adding it to the Constitution there. Okay. So they are ratifying it because the initial Constitution had some hiccups. It, they were concerned that the states were just doing whatever they wanted, and it made them very unbalanced and unable to react to the outside world. Their foreign policy was, um, was kind of rocky at this time. So he was very heavily involved in the foreign policy and he had, we're getting to the root of the stuff here, he had an interesting view on how this interaction between the United States and the rest of the world and the world as a whole society should go. And he believed in international law. Has anybody ever heard of international law? Is it, oh, is it where laws can change within states, or is that not? No, this is between countries, like, um, Probably a good, a good example that's been more public lately in the past, I don't know, I guess now eight or eight years or so, is has everybody heard of Snowden, Edward Snowden? No. See, this is already old history. Um, well, he leaked information to 
like on the internet about how the CIA and the NSA operate. Um, it's debatable. So, anyway, he he fled the U.S. because he didn't want to be prosecuted, and he is still hiding out in Russia. So, international law deals with this, where what's the right thing to do? Should Russia just hand him over to the U.S.? Does the U.S. have the right? And I'm not here to discuss this, but I'm just giving you an example of how international law becomes important. So. Okay, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. So he believed in something that instead of just international law, universal law. What do you think universal law is? Everywhere. Like everything, everywhere, everything. Okay. <clears throat> now, this doesn't exist in writing. It, it can get very complicated when it's applied to international law because you can be dealing with different cultures, different agendas between countries. Everybody has their own motivations. And at any time, a country could just ignore a law. They could just say, well, I know we've agreed not to use uh, biological warfare, but we're just going to use it anyways. Because we... How dare Right, but what, so what's, you say how dare they, but what keeps them from breaking that law? Nothing except for the universal law. What? Okay, some sort of enforcement, right? Other countries. Other countries, right, could group together and impose their power over them, all right? What if it's a big country that also has like economical power like China? I mean, we see stuff like this. Do you guys, are you aware of like Disney movies where they edit them for, in, for the releases in China to not offend them in certain ways? Yeah, or they just make Disney take parts out before they release it to everyone so they determine what the agenda is of movies because they think of they have billions of people versus a couple billion in the u.s the market is driven by the money that disney can make over there so i'm just showing you how how do you control that that's that's curbing freedom of speech right isn't it kind of but how do you enforce that can you enforce that so this is where John Jay has a quote that shows you what he thinks the principle is to keep people honest, to keep them on the right track, to do the right thing. And he said um, in a letter to someone, he wrote, Who made the law of nations? He, who for, uh, he from whose will proceeds all moral obligations and which will is made known to us by reason and revelation. Who's the he that he's talking about? God. God. He's talking about God. Big uh, capital H for he there. Now, he says the way you find out what God's will is, is by reason and revelation. 
Uh, turn to Romans after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. Is um, Paul's legally terms talking about here? Lots of words, difficult to parse out what it means. What do you think that means? Um, no, he's talking about the law, right? He mentions the law a couple times. Okay, yes, so they don't have, they weren't given the laws that Moses was given, right? The Jews were given God's laws directly from him. The Gentiles never got that, right? So he's saying, and yes, the law still applies to them. How do they find out that law? How would they know right from wrong? How would they know it's still wrong to kill someone? Yeah, that's right in there. Exactly what you said, Felicia, is described by your conscience. What else does it say? How else should you know? Okay, yes, that's true. But he's saying there's a way to know without ever meeting a Christian. He also says the law is written in their hearts. This is something that is often called natural law is a lot of times like a secular term for this that there are basic things that everybody in every culture agrees is wrong and so that that is the reason part that john jay is talking about he says you can know these laws by reason or by revelation what's the revelation part it's not the book of revelation Okay, you're on the right track because revelation means something is being revealed to you. It's being exposed to you. So where do we get revelation from? The Bible. Yes, that's where we get it from. Moses, though, didn't have the Bible because he was writing it. Yeah, he was given it directly by God. So... And this brings us back around. If you take all of Moses' laws, you throw them in a big pot, you boil it all down, and then you take uh, 
like a slotted spoon and you scoop out what's left in there, what two laws do you get? throw in there the Ten Commandments, you throw in the laws about sacrifice, you throw in the laws about uh, about not moving a corner property marker, you throw in there laws about what to do if somebody commits a murder, how to stone them, you throw all that stuff in the pot, and then you only get two, two of them, and they all boil down and mesh into two commandments. What are those two commandments? Yep. With all, With all your heart. And then the other one, the idols one? Nope. You got the one right. And these were given to us by Jesus. Jesus said all the laws can be summed up in these two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, the soul, and thy mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Good, good, good. Hey, and you got the other one. That was the harder one, right? All right. So, what if everyone from every nation did that? It would be great. It'd be great. All right. <clears throat> but what do they do? We fight, we argue, we lie, and we basically back that. We do all sorts of crazy stuff. Terrible stuff. Like, absolutely horrific stuff has been done. So, what do you do if people don't use their freedom for good? Take it away! Because freedom is yeah. not a right, but a privilege, so it can be taken away. Okay. That's something you can do. So you're talking about consequences, is what Felicia is saying. Probably doesn't. Yes. So if you judge that by putting them to death, um, it, I'm, yes, death? it has to do like with this. If you're like, don't, I don't know. Right, because so we, not being a hypocrite. the way our system works is that it, the, through the whole system is that we develop laws that the majority agrees on, right? That, that's the idea, okay? So we have laws and then we have consequences when you break those laws. In a system that has what to determine who broke the law and what the consequences are, what do you get? How do we determine if you broke the law and what? Evidence. Which is given in a, where do you display evidence? Okay, and who, and what's the key components that key roles in that court case? The judge. The judge? The defendant, like the jury helps a lot too. Okay, the jury, yes. That's what I'm looking for, a judge and a jury, and they issue out a verdict, which means a true saying, and we hope to find the truth and issue a judgment in that. In this, John Jay spends his whole life, all he does is study law, writes law, and he is setting a whole bunch of precedents. We talked about that before, doing it for the first time, that people follow it even though it's not a rule a lot of times. And he is doing this 
And this is how he viewed our nation when he was setting up the laws. Now, obviously, he's not doing this all by himself. There are a lot of other people involved, but he is a major influencer in this. And this is how he, two things that he thought um, that are important for when people govern themselves. So this is different from when there's a king. He said, one, that he thought that as soon as the Constitution was ratified or put into effect, that the royalties, their, the royal powers in Europe were transferred to each citizen in the United States, and they held the governmental power within the federal government. So that means that each one of us has the power that the royal kings used in barons and whatnot used to have in England. Which, yes, because we vote on things, we have a voice in it. Now, that's real freedom and power as far as political terms go. That's the most that you're ever going to get as an average person. Yeah. All right, so number two, though, and this is where it gets much more interesting, and this is a direct quote here. <clears throat> no human society has ever been able to maintain both order and freedom. Starting off on a bad note, right? No society has ever done that. Both uh -oh. cohesiveness and liberty can't do that either. Apart from the moral precepts of the Christian religion, should our republic ever forget this fundamental precept of governance, we will then be surely doomed. So, he, he is saying, as soon as you abandon the tenets, the important parts of Christianity, we're doomed. If that prophecy has not come true yet, we are rapidly approaching that. We're getting pretty close. And he's basically saying that if people that the government is made up of, if they don't have God as the building block, as the cornerstone for how they live their lives, then that's going to be reflected in the government. And that that cornerstone will become a stumbling block. That's what that's what Jesus said about himself, or what was even prophesied by, I believe, Isaiah about him, that if you reject him as the cornerstone, then he will become a stumbling block to you. I think we're really close to getting that. Yep. And now, where do you think John Gay Jay got that idea? Did you just say John A. Jay? I stumbled over it. John Jay. Where do you get that idea? The Bible. the Bible, okay, you're sensing a theme here. Okay, wait, let's turn, let's turn to James 1, right before, uh, after Hebrews, is James. This is our verse that we started with, our theme verse, but we're going to read a couple before the theme verse as well. James chapter 1, I know it's a little book. It's after Hebrews, before Peter. It's directly after Hebrews. Yep. Chapter 1, which verse? 22 through 25. Yeah, 
Uh, chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. New Bible. Tough. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers of deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and Okay, so you look in the mirror. Who looks in the mirror every morning? Ugh, me. I have to put on my face cream. I guess there's some people who don't. I'll admit it, I don't look every morning. But I usually do it at some point during the day, you know, when you brush your teeth, you know, that kind of stuff. So you look in the mirror, and you look, and you say, oh, look, at what happened there? What happened to that spot? Or, oh my gosh, my I hair. Have like, yes, I have bad hair. My hair, yeah. or, oh, I look so Doesn't tired. everyone have bad hair when they wake up most of the time? Uh, when my hair is, when I first get a haircut, I know. So, you know. Um, you're, you get there, and you're instantly are finding all these Flaws, right? Don't we always have flaws no matter what? Well, to us, for sure, we, we see flaws. And then, but then you walk away and you go about your day and you forget. You forget those flaws. You forget they were there. I don't forget I have redhead that day. And, but the point is that you need to go back to the mirror to see them again, to, be, to see them clearly. And that's what. James is comparing this to, he says, though, except in your spiritual life, what is the comparison that serves as a mirror for you? Your soul. No. Who do you look to as an example of what to achieve? Who are we supposed to be like? Jesus, all right, that he is the perfect law of liberty. You need to keep going back and looking to him so you don't forget. What don't we want to forget? Let's go to John, the Gospel of John, the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 8. Uh, verses 31 and 32. This is Jesus. Um, there are Jews here, Hebrews, who um, say that they believe him, and Jesus is going to ask them a question. Chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. Okay, so what do you not want to forget? What's the important thing in those verses? The truth. And the truth will make you free. Now, and the truth is, who is 
the truth. Jesus is the truth, right? He is the ultimate truth. Everything that is true and real comes from him. And you want to remember that Jesus came, that he paid your debt. He freed you from your bondage. That's the real suppression of freedom, is that is your sin. And that once you accept that gift, you are free and you are no longer slaves to sin. Because it's, it is like serving another master when you are addicted to whatever sin it is. When you keep going back to it. And you have to keep looking in that mirror to remember, that's right, he saved me. That I see that terrible person in there, and now I can thank him for loving me. I can thank him for accepting me. And the best way to thank him is by following him. By choosing to follow him and do his commandments. Because that's where the ultimate freedom is. That's how you gain that freedom from your bondage of sin. Now, where do you find this mirror? The Bible. Okay. How do you how do you know how to follow him? The Bible. Okay. What what did every one of these founding fathers use to guide their actions? The Bible. The Bible. Okay. Starting to get it. They they read it, they studied it, they prayed it into their soul. And until it oozed right out of them. It oozed into every aspect of their life. They the guys who put it into law, who put it into their letters to friends, they would not do that if it wasn't on their mind constantly, if it wasn't in their heart. Our government, the nation, your neighborhood, that your street is, that is on your street is made up of you. And if you stray from the truth of Jesus, if we deviate from that, if we don't constantly pursue that and make that aspect of every part of our lives, then just as John Jay said, then we're doomed. Are we already close to being doomed? I wish I had thought to look this up to write it down, but next time, maybe even on the youth retreat, you can look at this... Or you, when you're down at Aslan's Acres, there is a sign down there that's a quote from C.S. Lewis that talks about the road to hell is not a steep cliff, but it is a long, winding, gradual slope. Is it all those back Is it like back Yes. It's a slow and slippery slide down. It doesn't happen all of a sudden. It happens by by little choices every day. So we picked this series because it is something that we were forced to think about. Lots of people have been forced to think about our country and where we're at over the past few years. 
and we want to look we wanted to look at really what makes it successful that it's not some pride or patriotism or rah-rah America but it's that we are built on God's principles that we put him first for a very long time and then slowly and slowly we've forgotten about that and we want you guys to think about that think about that as you go into the next step of your lives as some of you have graduated as some of you are approaching that that if God's not at the center then it affects not just you but everyone around you as well so thank you very much and we'll see you next week